This is going to be what? Session show number four? Yep. Show number four. Sounds about right. Yes. All right. Coffee. It's already a bit cold. Got got our coffee. We got big lights on. Ready to talk real estate. I always wonder if I should button this up. But then I feel like I'm... What do you guys think? Should he button up his jacket or is it... I don't know. I don't know if I like that. Or is it too much? Got my chain, my dad on it. I don't know. I don't like it. I do it every once in a while. I kind of play with it. Hey, Nick. Ooh. All right. Get this... Uh, Get your intro going. My five-year-old... Right, you have some coffee on your nose. My five-year-old, because he likes having family parties, right? So when I tell him, okay, guys, you know, uh, grandma's coming over and, you know, so-and-so's coming over, he says, uh, let's get this party started. <laughs> and he's yeah. five, so people, I'm in trouble. People, see, every, you guys are so awesome. Everybody's saying, no, no, be comfortable. Take your jacket off. You're going to be too, <laughs> you're gonna too, be too sweaty. Again. Yeah. We don't. We don't need to see the sweat uh, pouring down your. Uh, I'm still stuffed. I had a massive bowl of spaghetti and uh, spaghetti for breakfast, and I'm spaghetti for breakfast. Yeah, Ooh. but I've had enough coffee to fly to the moon, so I'm good. Awesome. And I've got another one. All right. All right. So, Mel, what are we talking to? Oh no. We need to do our you, intro. You need to do our intro. I really should have looked at what I say again because I'm I'm going in here blind, guys. <laughs> um, all right, are we doing the intro. You're doing the intro. <laughs> <laughs> all right, everyone, welcome to the Investor Melon Dave Real Estate Show, where we talk about investing, entrepreneurship, and everyday day to day life. I always mess up that part of being a real estate investor. So thank you for joining us. Yes, show number four. Welcome, everyone. Thanks for joining us on Facebook and on Instagram Live. <sighs> Today, we're going to talk about mistakes. Yes. Three biggest mistakes that people make when buying, you know, their first or their first few properties. Absolutely. I yeah. just got to give a shout out. I see my mom said hello. Hello, ladies. Hey, mom. <laughs> Hi, mom. <laughs> got to love that, eh? Absolutely. Got to say hi to mom. Even mom's sporting, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, mistakes, guys. And, and we're not going to talk about uh, life mistakes because, hey, let's not go there. But, <laughs> but let's talk about real estate investing mistakes, okay? And anyone who's a real estate investor that says, I never made a mistake, I say... B.S. Because there's no way unless, and no one's perfect, but there's unless someone literally held your hand who's done it before, but there's no way you don't make mistakes. And you know what? Looking back, am I glad we made those mistakes? No. Am I glad we made the mistakes? Yes. <laughs> because we learned from them. And now with our mentorship program, we're able to help people avoid those mistakes. So, you know, it goes around. Uh, what goes around is all around, whatever that saying is. But yeah. That's because I, I had a guy I used to work with who used to say that. Instead of what goes around comes around, he would just say what goes around is all around. So what goes around is all around, everyone. Awesome. All right. So three bis- mistakes people make when buying their first property. And this one, you know, this is, I remember my first place that I purchased. So this was this was before this guy. Um, that was our first mistake, not getting with this guy sooner. Just saying. Oh, oh yeah. Uh, so mistake number one is that I, you know, went in blindly. I thought, okay, I'm going to do this. And I, I didn't do my due diligence when it came to buying my first property. So, um, you know, so I bought this house. I thought it was going to, you know, more or less house 
Michael's Hackett bought a house and thought, I'm going to make a little duplex out of it, a little granny suite type of thing in the basement. So the, the basement was gutted, um, so got it up all to par, beautiful kitchen, you know, everything was fantastic. Tenants moved in, was making awesome money from the rent downstairs and up, you know. It had good cash flow. It had good cash flow, but it was a beautiful house. So the tenants were happy. They had a beautiful backyard. It was cute. Yeah, I was happy. Yeah, no, it, was was a cool, it was a cool right. house. Right across the street from a school, so like right off of a bus route. Like just so many, you know, plus, plus, plus. Yes, until... Knock, knock, knock. Knock and knock. Yes, knock, actually, knock. no, we, let's rewind. So before the knock, we decided, you know, we increased the value of the property. Let's refinance so we can take that money and put it towards the next property. Um, so, you know, we got we got a, an appraisal done. And then knock, knock, knock. Knockity, knock, knock, yes. knock. And, you know, what happened is that because we were, got an appraisal done in the place, they contacted the city to make sure that the place was zoned property. Yeah, buddy. And little did I know, I did not do my due diligence, and it was not zoned properly. <laughs> so that means that, you know, I had two choices, either to see if we could get it rezoned um, or, you know, shut down the unit, essentially. Yes. Okay. And a little tidbit of information. And I love real estate. I love realtors. So please, guys, don't take this. I'm not saying anything. I love realtors. They bring me deals. I close deals with them all the time. Okay. I'm just saying whenever you're buying something, you know, don't just take the realtor's word for it. And again, you might trust them hundred percent. I have realtors that I do all my deals with. I still call the city and well, I'm a little, I'm, I'm anal with that, right? I need to make sure I need to hear it myself. Sometimes I'll call them twice. Like, did you say this and this? Like, honestly, I'm over the top on that, but don't be afraid to call the zoning department of the city you're purchasing in and ask them directly, okay? Because then then the onus falls on you and you can't be mad at anybody else or blame anybody else if you made the call and that's what I like to do. So if ever something did happen, there's no way I'm blaming the lawyer. There's no way I'm blaming the realtors. It's this guy that called, right? Yeah. So what did I have to do? We ended up having to sell that place um, because it did not make sense. We had to, unfortunately, inform the tenants downstairs. We tried to make it a win-win with, with the tenants, you know, make the best out of it. We said, hey, we have this other place for you to rent. So they ended up renting one of our other places. So it kind of worked out for they them. They were great tenants, They were great actually. tenants. So we wanted to keep them. Um, and then we had to sell that property, which was not in, you know, we didn't want to, uh, but it didn't cash flow enough. So we, you know, we had to do that to, uh, to just because it made sense. So if I would have simply done my due diligence from day one, we wouldn't be in that kind of situation. Yeah. And it was so out of left field, right? Well, we, looking back, it wasn't out of left field, but at that point, city knocks on the door, says, Hey, you need to decommission this unit. You have X amount of days. The tenant can no longer live here. So you're like, what, what just happened? Yeah. So, and, and there's no negotiations, right? So we called the city. We said, can we change the zoning? Can we change the usage? And they basically said, you can apply for anything you want. However, just so you know, there's no other res uh, rental properties here. It's across the street from a school. Like all this stuff where it was an uphill battle. I was swimming up against stream. We're swimming against stream. So uh, cut your losses. We still made some money, not as much. But again, you learned a lesson. We could have made more money. Again, there's six months to a year that we could have done something else. But you live and learn. Exactly. Yeah. So mistake number two, not planning um, for unforeseen expenses. So, and we see this all the time. People are going to, you know, they get excited. They see a cash flow on property and they're like, okay, awesome. I'm going to go in and I'm going to make money from day one. I'm going to rent it. And let's say I'm going to make $500 profit. This is amazing. But what sometimes they don't account for is that 
things happen, right? Um, it's not a matter of of if, it's a matter of when. So hopefully it won't happen to you right away. Um, but at some point, you're going to have a tenant, for example, that doesn't pay rent. Well, then now what, right? That $500 profit is gone, plus whatever amount rent was, you know, $900, maybe $1,500, depending on the place you're renting out, maybe more if it's a house, you know, is gone. So you have to have a backup when investing. You can't just assume that, you know, everything will be rosy. Hopefully most of the time it will be, and you know, 90% of the time it is, but a lot of times, unfortunately, it is not. So what are you going to do in the meantime? You have somebody living near property, essentially for free, no money coming in. You need to have that kind of backup, guys, right? So do you have savings? What are you going to do in that kind of situation? So you always have to have a plan before you enter so that way you're not oh my gosh like i can't afford to pay my bill now my mortgage well you never want to be at this point here exactly and this i'm just going to touch on this mel this is exactly why we invest with other people's money because when those when those contingency happens when those bad things happen we have our own money to pay for it so the problem goes away quicker okay um to touch on different things that you might not know what happens. Like we've had one where we closed a building and this is going to, this is going to talk about the importance of title insurance when closing a deal. So we closed, it was a duplex. Uh, the, 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 the lawyers did all their searches and everything turns up, you know, after we've closed the deal, we have possession of the asset. We go to, uh, we get a bill from the city. that was like eight to $12,000 in back taxes. And I'm like, what do you, I just took possession. Well, the previous owner had back taxes. So you own it now you're left holding the bag. And I'm like, no, I'm not. That's no way. Right. So I contact my lawyer. They make the title insurance claim, right? Because that's not the way it goes. But at that point, until it cleared up, I had to pay the money, right? Which everyone knew was a mistake. Like it was just so weird. I just didn't want the city to have a knock against me. I didn't want that going to collections. I didn't want that going against my, my credit. And everyone knew what it was. Like we were all, we were all adults and we said, Dave, I know it's not you, but the city man or whatever it was wants this has to go through. We've got our budget. We've got our books. So I paid the eight to 12, <laughs> right? And then all of a sudden I get reimbursed by title insurance. Like it was just, but I never would have thought that would have happened. And the lawyers too, they said it has happened sometimes. That's why you have title insurance. So I think it's like three, four, $500 on closing a deal. Don't ever go without title insurance for that reason that that's paid for for itself you know for all the all the deals i've done with title insurance yeah exactly you just, make sure but these are that. the things you don't know that just happen and now just another example with the city again is uh oh i gotta plug this in it's a little battery the other uh, example with the city is sometimes you know you'll have a leaky toilet and let's say my water bill is somewhere around let's say 150 bucks a month right because we're on metered water sometimes i'll get a bill for a thousand dollars for water. And I'm thinking, what happened? Well, they look into it and they're like, well, Dave, on whatever month, whatever, February, on February 5th, you had consumption like this up and down. And then from February 5th on, it was just boom. So obviously something's leaking, something's going. So again, they're not going to reimburse me that money. I have to apply for all these things. It's still money out of pocket. There's a thousand dollars for my water bill that month when I was budgeting for 170. So things like this happen. And if you're not... <clears throat> Excuse me. If you don't have some sort of um, contingency plan, yeah, like an yeah. emergency fund or a plan B, you know, or, or some some money socked away for this, it can blindside you, and you just don't want it to railroad you on your real estate investment. Yeah, and that's the thing, right? And some people say, okay, it's going to get easier when you get more properties because you have that more cash flow, <laughs> and yes, it does. But then again, I mean, then you also have 
you know, more properties where more of this can happen, right? More tenants can not pay rent. More rent, more tenants or more, you know, these kind of unforeseen expenditures may may come about as well. And then like, uh, yeah, there's always unforeseen. I'm just trying to think when you're renovating, you find asbestos, you know, you punch through a wall, it's asbestos. Well, now you've, now because you're not supposed to touch it, right? If you don't touch it, it's okay. But now you've penetrated stuff. So now you have to remove it or uh, re uh, remediation. You find knob and tube behind the drywall on the lath and plaster. Ugh. I don't know how many times you find knob and tube and I'm like, I knew it, right? But again, it's in the budget because I'd rather I'd rather assume that there's going to be an issue there and then say, oh, I've got 5Gs more in my pocket, then go, no problem there. And then, ooh, where do I find 5Gs? Exactly, right? And so, yeah, making sure you do your due diligence, walking through the property before you close it, having experts. We love having people, you know, obviously an inspector, but we love having people that are actually hands-on, again, the trades, the one that are doing our repairs on our own places because they are the hands-on people, right? They're going to yes. see things that maybe other people would not see. So we love having them walk through with us when buying our properties because they're going to see things that, I mean, we're not experts when it comes to renovations. Um, so we, you it's know. It's not our place, not our. No, we love numbers. <laughs> but yeah, so you yeah. should uh, to have the right people walk in with you as well. And get, I shouldn't say get close, but yeah, get close with your trades. Like I'm thinking we have plumbers and electricians that we use all the time. So will they charge Mel and Dave to inspect a building? Like, hey, I'm closing this building. I need to, um, I need to have it inspected electrically. Can you please walk through? I'm not getting a bill for that. Do you know why? Because when they find Hobbit 2 behind the drywall, guess who I'm calling to do the work? So once you get going with things like that, guys, it's so easy and it's so amazing because you have those go-tos. They save you money here. You give them the work over here. It's a win-win. You know, the world yeah, keeps going around and around. win-win uh, partnerships, right, where, where it makes sense. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. All right, number one, number two, mistake number three. Yes, mistake number three. Honestly, okay. And th this is why we kind of wrote our book as well. We wanted, I wanted to look back and say, Dave, who's just starting out, what would, what you know, what you should do. And looking back to Dave and Mel starting out, I would have said, guys, find a mentor sooner. Like we've spent a lot of money on mentors, and I don't regret a cent. I wish we would have spent more money earlier on quality mentors because we own 24 buildings over 100 units who knows i might own 35 buildings and 200 units by now you know like you don't know how much uh ir internal return on uh, uh investment yeah the, i forget the ir um no no our internal return oh it's like it's like your internal return but who knows how much I would have spent on mentors earlier? Who knows how much return Dave would have had on himself and his time and his money having invested in those mentors right. earlier? Looking back, I wish I could kick 25-year-old well, Dave in the butt and say, go, go no, out there. No, because we were, you know, we we're just the typical, <coughs> you know, me. hey, we're going to figure it out as we go. And we did. We did. But did it cost us thousands, tens of thousands of dollars because we didn't want to invest in, in a mentor from the beginning? Of course we did. We did so many costly mistakes that, you know, somebody would have just said, you know, somebody with more experience than, than we do back then would have just said, Mel, you got to, you know, even business structure, guys, you know, from day one, you guys need to set this up this way and this, and this is why and do it this way. And, oh, okay, well, no, instead we, we wait and we spend, you know, thousands down the road because we didn't do it right oh. from the beginning. And, you know, even like, think about it, guys. These are the kind of things that you get when you don't know what you don't know. So let's say you close the building in two months from now. So you're closing 60 days, you're pumped. I'm getting my first, my yeah. third property, excited. All of a sudden, you know, a tenant moves out. Um, it's not your property, you don't have keys in hand, but the landlord's, 
you know, rented out somebody and they happen to be a drug dealer. So now there's trafficking, trafficking going on in the building. We came this close last summer to having this issue. Yeah. So we're talking from experience. Yeah. So now all of a sudden, you know, you don't have keys yet. But now the new tenant that you didn't even know, you know, this was going to happen. New tenant that moved in, you know, he's, he's dealing drugs. There's people <laughs> in and out of the building all the time. The new t- or the current tenants are pissed because they're not happy, right? They have, let's say, they have kids. They don't want to be around that kind no. of thing. They didn't sign up for it. So... And all of a sudden, six days passes by, and you get the keys, and you're getting that tenant that you did not sign up for. So these are the kind of conditions that you need to make sure, right, that you have as part of it. But again, you don't know what you don't know. You're not going to predict certain things on, until you kind of go through it, and you think, oh, my gosh. And, and yeah, like for us, we that well, it almost happened to us if we didn't and, have the right and conditions. Listen, yo, and listen how bad this guy was. As soon as I got a whiff of this, I emailed, I, I Googled them because I, I, I had already heard the name. So I Googled and then I copy pasted or whatever screenshotted. This guy was charged with drug, like heavy drug trafficking, uh, assault, theft, like battery, all this stuff. He had a plane that was seized by the police. He had like SUVs and guns and brass knuckles. Like, do you want that in your building? I don't. No. So right away, I'm like, what is going on? I just took a screenshot. I sent to the realtors and, and the bank and everything. So I'm not buying this building if this guy's allowed to move in. And thank goodness we caught it. Because, again, like Mel said, uh, we took possession, let's say, I think 12 or 15 days after this person was going to move in. Now he's my problem. And I don't want that. I'm a real estate investor. Last thing I want, if I'm inheriting tenants that are there, that's a different scenario. But if I can control this person going into the unit, if I can have some say on that, and those are the conditions that we put in, we control the building before we actually own it. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So those are three reasons. Be careful when you're buying the property. Do due diligence. Plan accordingly and get educated, get a mentor. Your return on investment, your return on time is is endless for sure. Absolutely. Yes. Now, this is time to... There's a big buzzing sound, it says. Oh, sorry. You don't hear anything here. So I think it's because the computer is charging. Yeah, let's, see if, that, let's see if that's uh, any better for now. Um, all right, so now it's time for Q&A. So... Let's see if there's any questions. I'm just going to grab my phone here. And you know what's funny, Mel? I thought, so I, I was getting close to Mel as we were chatting because last week, because um, we both have jackets on and she was like, oh my gosh, I'm so warm in front of the lights. I, was I, hoping I know, he, he comes <laughs> He comes in and he's this big cuddle every time. I'm like, Dave, I, was hoping I need to get space. A, I was hoping to get a reaction out of her. Sorry, guys. I was hoping to get a, give me some room or I got to take this jacket off. Yeah, any questions, guys? Again, mistakes. Um, uh, TJ Tattooed. Mel and Dave fan right here. Give them some hearts. Ah, uh, thanks, TJ. Thanks, TJ. Appreciate, Appreciate that. Appreciate it. Just finished my coffee. Nice. That's awesome, guys. Yeah, again, three mistakes, three biggest mistakes that we made. Uh, have we made more? Obviously, we're, we're trying to minimize mistakes all day, every day. But as humans, we're not perfect. So we're going to continue to make more. But again, if you can minimize and kind of cut down your liability, then... Yes. You're ahead of the game. So we have a question here. I have a property for flipping. I would love your opinion on whether to flip it or resell it. I'm kind of stuck. Oh, that's, oh. A, that's a full loaded question because there's so can much. You put, can you put it over here, Mel? No. Yeah, I, I can. I'm, it's just because I'm going to keep. And, and okay, great question. So l- let me give you a scenario. Okay. So we have a triplex that increased by about, let's say, $100,000. Okay. And we've been on the same kind of question. So. 
you have you have the sorry the building has appreciated you have the new appraisal do you refinance it and here's what i was looking at i can with my mortgage pay down and with the new appraisal we could take out and we're actually i'll tell you which option we went with after we could take out seventy thousand dollars in a refinance okay or we could sell it and i think we were looking at somewhere in the ballpark of 130 you know, and that's taken off the goals and all that and realtor fees and everything. So we looked at it, okay? And, and I'm not going to lie. I like holding on to real estate. We sold some and it made us money. But every time after, I'm like, ah, we should have just kept it. So on the on the bigger like bigger picture, sorry, we can refinance. The place was making us, the triplex it was making us. It had good cash flow. It had roughly $1,400 a month in positive cash flow. So if we refinance, it was going to drop down to, let's say, I think it was going to be 1000 or so. So we're still cash flowing a thousand bucks a month with the refinance, and we're getting seventy thousand uh, dollars tax-free cash, sexy, right? Or do we sell the asset instead of getting seventy, we get one hundred and thirty, right? It's almost double, but then the thousand dollars a month goes away. And we did the math, and I think it came up to like seven or eight years. Mm-hmm. I forget. Don't quote me on that, guys. Yeah. We'll be like, hey, how many months would we be missing out? Um, and we really had a hard time. I wanted to sell originally because I'm like, that'll take me eight years to make up that $70,000 back difference. But it was just the long-term play. After those seven years, I no longer have an asset. At least now I'm going to have an asset for the next 20, 30 years. I'm going to pass it off to my kids. And they're going to continue to have a wealth, uh, a machine, a, a, an asset that keeps providing them wealth. Yes, absolutely. Sorry, guys, I'm just charging. I'm not trying to get a post on it here. I'm charging. <laughs> So that question really is a personal choice. I forget who asked it, but guys, that's a personal choice. And and honestly, it's not an easy one. We have this discussion all the time. Yeah. Question here. uh, What's the one thing you suggest for young investors? And oh man, the one, there's so many suggestions. First one is get started. And, And we see it all the time. People, they talk about it, talk about it, and they don't ever do it I mean we've talked to so many people you know over the years and years of doing this and they you know they love the idea and they'll read the books and they'll go to conferences and they'll do this and do that but they never take action and without action there's no results right so taking that step taking that action piece is 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 probably one of the best you know most important things absolutely and to kind of add on to what Mel said yes taking the action but how do I say it Taking the action, but also taking the time to make the educated decision. So not just saying, hey, I'm going to go buy something and get a realtor to give you a listing and then buy that. I would take the time. Yes, taking action. Sorry, let's define taking action. I mean, Mel and Mel's taking action, getting out there and doing it. I agree. But I, I also mean taking action in yourself. Like you should do, and everyone always uses the cheesy, do at least 100 deals before you buy the one. Like I'm not going to get cheese ball on you here. Do a bunch of deals before you can almost calculate what the building is worth, what it can be worth, just off the top of your head looking at rents. And that's when you know that you're ready to invest because you can look at a building, hey, you're asking this much money, what are your rents? Is Does it meet the 1% rule? Does it meet the 0.7? Are the rents at the ceiling? Are they not? Okay, for that, you know, and, and kind of doing that... Um, that's someone from Florida calling me. Um, <laughs> but but in that also, guys, is then you'll get to know that you know what the heck you're talking about. So taking action by, yes, getting out there, but taking action into yourself. And obviously, I'm going to say the mentor thing because that works. But that would be my first step. And then get out there and buy something. How much do you need? We'll take one more question here. 
how much do you need to purchase your first home? And I guess this, again, it depends if it's a, a rental or not. I mean, if you're going to be using your own you know, deposit, you're going to be living in, of course, you can do the 5% if it's your first time, so depending on, you know, your price range. Yeah, and in Can- and then, sorry, so yeah, Canada first-time home buyers, 5% because they get the mortgage insured by either CMHC or Genworth. In the States, you can get as low as 35 on an FHA loan, and that's uh, uh, First Time Home Buyer Association. Don't quote me on the on the, but it's an FHA loan, three point five percent. I've had people from Atlanta tell me that they're utilizing that, so it's amazing. Um, so that's what it would cost you, ish, right? If you're just going to jump into it now, <laughs> here comes the angle. If, and I'm just saying again, our mentees in our course, I want you to use none of your own money because it's doable. Even if you have the five percent down, that's even cool. if it's your first property. You could you could use OPM, and you're still only going to have to put five percent. But why should it be your five percent? Why can't it be other people's money that you use? Use an investor, a private lender, use their five percent. And again, you're you're just borrowing less money, but you're still using the strategy of other people's money. And again, guys, I say this all the time, but I just love it. Other people's money to invest in assets. The asset comes to fruition. You pay everyone out on the refinance. You cash flow the entire time. You you continue to cash flow and you you actually get money back on the refinance as well. Think of this. You put this much money into the deal. You keep making money on the refinance. You make money. You pay everyone out. You get all that with zero money. That, like, okay, and I know I'm getting cranked up here. (laughs) Excuse me. I'm starting to joke, but... This is what blows my mind, and I love it every time. People talk to me, I'm getting 18%, I'm getting 36% return on investment. Okay, well, guess what? How about you get infinite? So when you do that, it's infinite return on investment if done properly. Like, I don't, uh, when, now when I see investments, if it's not infinite, it's not good enough. Sorry, that's my little rant. <laughs> and now I'm sweating. Yeah. <laughs> but seriously, though, why, why would you settle for, and I know people would say, oh, my gosh, I'd love to make 36%. I agree. But wouldn't you rather make infinite? Yeah, exactly. And, you know, what does it look like? Owner financing, BTV, seller financing. You can use your 401, other people's 401k, RRSPs. There's so yeah, many Roth strategies. IRA. And we're running out of time. We're going live in three minutes. Oh, yeah. Group, so can't forget about that. No, that's um, awesome. But check out our, if you want to know about the creative strategies Guys, that we have in our so many www.12 so 12 12 in 12 months.com so 12 in 12months.com we talk about the six creative strategies that we use and that's how we buy all our properties yes um, there's no way we'd own over 100 units if we didn't do OPM right it, you can't scale especially if you're buying and owning solely um, unless you're <laughs> you're using creative strategies and you know what that's what we should do myth busting Myth, not, not, I don't want to, hey, don't oh, copy. Oh, the Mythbusters. Don't are- say that. I was going to say, don't copyright me on the Mythbusters. I don't want to deal with them. But we're going to bust myths. <laughs> I mentioned that's, that last That's our next show, yes. yes. So All that's right. going to be Let's next week. Let's write it down so we don't forget. <laughs> that's going to be next week. We're going to bust some myths. Okay. Because I'm so like tired of hearing things in real estate that are not true and that are handcuffing, uh, uh, not junior real, uh, not junior investors, but people that aren't as familiar that are just getting into the game. I want to take those handcuffs off, throw them out the window, and give you the real uh, take from two real estate investors, 17 years combined, 
We're doing it, guys. There's so many ways to do it. Yes. So thank you so much. Next week, same time, same place, 1230. Yeah. We'll be going live again. I got kind of cranked up at the end of the show here. He, he gets a little excited when yeah. he's talking creative strategies. And I wish I had more coffee now. Yeah. Yeah. Cranked up. Yeah. <laughs> the, the mentoring group are in yeah. for uh, quite well, a Well, they've got an time. hour of Dave cranked up on coffee. Yeah. But anyways, guys, think about it. Next week, we're busting myths, not myth busters. We're busting myths. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and... Infinite Return on Investment. We'll see you next week, every Wednesday, 12.30 p.m. Eastern Time. I love it. 30 minutes goes by, like 30 seconds. Yes, thank you so much, and uh, we'll see you next week. Bye, guys.